In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. Well, welcome to the Million Dollar Mindset, everyone. I am so glad to see you here, as always, on every single Monday. Don't we just love it? Hey, I want to start today's show off by telling you a little story about my kids and an interaction I had with them when they were about, oh, five years old, I'll say. Now, my girls are twins. They're they're 25 years old today. But this story really sticks in my head, and I think it's, it's a relative to today's show, because today we're talking about leadership. And I believe that leadership, strong leadership takes place in many, many, many different settings, including at your your home as a parent. I mean, parents lead the way in many ways for their family. And uh, this is a case where I didn't lead the way so well. And my little five-year-olds taught me this important lesson. The girls were, as I said, about five years old. And And I had spent about a year asking them every single night, day in, day out, to feed the dogs. And, you know, every day it was an argument. Girls, did you feed the dogs yet? No, we haven't fed them. Well, get in here and feed and water the dogs. You've got to feed and water the dogs, right? And this would go on every single night with great frustration connected to it on on all sides. And finally, one night I exploded and I said, Kimberly and Lauren, this is ridiculous. I've been telling you every single night for goodness knows how long that it is your job to come in here and feed the dogs because Mommy is making dinner, and I don't have time and energy to do both chores. So it's your job, and you know that. Why isn't it getting done? And these little cute little twins just looked at each other with the most curious little expression on their faces, and they turned to me and and chose a spokesperson, and she said, Mom, you always yell at us to feed the dogs, but you never told us it was our job to feed the dogs. And the other kids said, yeah, and we didn't know why you always yell at us to feed the dogs. So we just never did it. How amazing is that? I mean, I've really learned an important lesson from those little girls. And and it, I carry it with me today, yet today, when I talk to people in my ink columns, on my radio shows, and coaching, in whatever you know place I am, about purpose and intention and communication and how important it is to communicate on so many different levels. And that's what we're here to talk about today. I'm wondering if you can explain the purpose of your business or your mission or life dreams in a single sentence. 
because today's guest believes that a strong leader can turn good, well-communicated intentions into very powerful results. Now, whether you're an executive, a business owner, or parent, uh, leadership abilities play an important role in your life. Volunteers, I mean, you know, you, you need to have leadership abilities in some aspect of your life. So this show is important for you today. Today, we're going to discuss leading with purpose to create the outcome that you envision for the future of your organization, your family, your life mission. Our guest is John Baldani, an internationally recognized leadership consultant, coach, speaker, and author of several books, his latest being Lead with Purpose, giving your organization reason to believe in itself. In 2010, for the second consecutive year, he was named one of the world's top 25 leadership experts by Top Leadership Gurus International. That sounds pretty official. And in 2010, Leadership Gurus International ranked John as number 12 on its list of global leadership gurus. Now, John is a regular online contributor to Bloomberg Business Week and Harvard Business Review. And his columns have appeared in the online versions of Fast Company, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post. And we are just so honored, and I am very excited to have him here today to teach us about leading with purpose. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mindset, John. Well, welcome. Uh, thank you, Marla. I appreciate this opportunity to um, uh, have a conversation with you. I've been looking forward to it, and thank you. Oh, me too, John. You know, and you and I did a, a what I think really turned out to be a great interview last week for Inc. Magazine online, and I'm going to tell everybody how to get to that uh, later in the show. And it hit the website today, and it's, you know, John, it's been really popular. It hit the homepage on the most discussed, um, you know, articles on the site. And I'm wondering, you know, what makes leadership such a hot topic today? Well, it's a very good question, and um, I think it's always been a topic, but I think if, if you ask for one trigger what's causing it, it's uncertainty. Uh, whenever we're in perilous times, and I think a lot of us feel that, certainly uncertain times, we look for someone to provide us for with answers, and that's where leaders step to the fore. It's their job to help uh, not only provide answers, but more importantly, help us discover answers for ourselves. And so I think that's why leadership is the top of mind. And I also think it's because of our uh, political situation, international situation. We don't feel very confident in the men and women that are representing our ideas. And so that's part of it as well. And then also certainly a lot, uh, we saw a dearth of leadership or actually an absence of leadership in the financial crisis, which happened in 2008. So there's, I think there's a number of reasons for that. Yeah, definitely. It's it's it, you're right. People are not feeling secure, and so we look to our leaders. And I I'd, I'd like to think that we look to the leader qualities, leadership qualities within us uh, to further develop those because I think they're needed more now than ever. Oh, without question. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, the true leaders are those that bring together people for common cause, but that reason for common cause is why you want to participate, what you, how you want to become involved. And leaders provide that avenue and provide that channel. And that's what really what led me to write my book, uh, Lead with Purpose, is um, people are looking for it. 
and um, leaders, it's their obligation to uh, deliver it. I've really been enjoying your book, John. Thank you very much. Um, Will you tell our audience where to find your book? Well, it's Lead with Purpose, Giving Your Organization a Reason to Believe in Itself. It's available on all online retailers as well as in your neighborhood bookstore. Wonderful. I, I highly recommend it. It's been it's been a great lead and a, a great read and, and some eye-opening information. John, you talk about purpose in leadership. That's the title of your book, uh, the why and how. Why is what we want to achieve and how, you say, is the means by which we will do it. Why do you suppose that some leaders just haven't really stepped up to the plate in communicating this? this mission and purpose to their employees and their followers in in the past? And and how are you helping to change it? (laughs) Well, I think I'll I'll take a step back. I mean, those who are not embracing what you just said, I would not call them leaders. They may Mm -hmm. have a title. They may be a manager, but they're certainly not leading. Leading, Leaders are those that bring together uh, us for common cause, as I said earlier, and you don't need a title to do that. Uh, But why people, even the best intention of us, why we forget purpose? Well, because we're busy. We have a lot of to-dos to do. And so we don't take the time to understand what's the implication of my action. Or so often in larger organizations, and I'll say a larger organization is anything more than five, we get very much wrapped, the old proverbial statement, wrapped up on our own axle. Why are we doing what we're doing? And it, it's, it behooves anyone in a position of authority to, to stop and time out and say, what's going on here? What is it we do? And why are we doing it? And do our employees know what it, what it is we do and why we do it? You know, I have the privilege as an executive coach and executive educator. I work in companies mostly on the large size. And um, I have the privilege of, of talking to lots of different people. And I'll often say, um, what is it that uh, you do? And they'll be able to give me a very short and concise and apt description of their work. And I say, well, tell me how what it is you do contributes to the whole of the organization, contributes to helping uh, you serve your customers more effectively. And very often they'll draw a blank. And that's not because they lack intelligence or anything. It's because management has not provided them with a reason why. And, and so we, we, get, we get locked into what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, because my boss tells me to do it. And it just gets back to your story with your twin daughters. You know, you told them to do it, but you didn't give them the why. And the why was, hey, this is your job. Oh, now I understand, Mom. Same things with us as uh, employees. So sometimes uh, good managers need to be parents. I don't mean in the sense of supervision, but in connecting the dots for our employees. I'm somebody who believes very explicitly in being as specific as possible, at least in an initial conversation, so that you set out those clear and concise expectations. So you don't get the pushback, well, no one ever told me to do this. Well, now I am. Yeah. Yeah, it is that communication that that's being specific and communicating with purpose is is so important in leadership on all levels, whether it is parenting head of an organization or whatever it is. You know, John, before we're going to go into a break in a, in, in about a minute or so, but uh, I 
thought I'd toss out a question to you. I was speaking to a, a good friend who is growing a fabulous organization. Uh, Christy McDonald and her partner, Howie Jacobson, are, have developed a Vitruvian Way, which is a uh, popular internet marketing firm. And they are bringing on employees. And Christy had some great questions. And, and one of them was... You know, how do you communicate the vision and the purpose to the staff? Is it is it something that you do that you reinforce, you know, regularly in meetings? Is it an annual get together? And what is the best form for doing this? And how do you invite them to participate? And so when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about that and a, a few more questions I have for you. But meanwhile, you can find out more about John at his website site, which is johnbaldoni.com, B-A-L-D as in dog, O-N-I.com, and go out and find this book, Lead with Purpose. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little-known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to Excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. 
And we're here today with leadership expert John Baldoni. And as a recognized global thought leader, John specializes in leadership presence, which he defines as demonstrating earned authority. His coaching clients include Fortune 1000 companies as well as nonprofits. And we're here learning more about leading with purpose. So, John, going into the break, we talked about the right forum in which to change, the, to, to discuss this this purpose and vision with employees. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think your colleague had a very good, a very apt question. How is it that you do? Well, let's take a step back. I think organizations are propelled on three different, I mean, the purpose comes from that. What, how, how it is, what it is you do and how it is you do. In other words, What's your vision? Vision is nothing more than where you want to go. What, is, what are your aspirations? Mission is what it is you do, and your values are what hold you together. And so those are the three touch points that I would be regularly communicating to an employee. So how do you do that? Well, if it's a new enterprise, you know, I mean, you publish your vision statement. You put it on posters, put it on placards, put it on wallet cards. But that's only a start. It's, and, and it's nice and people direct it. And you do it in meetings every day. You talk about what it is we do contributes to our mission, um, how we are serving our customers, how we are helping our, uh, our customers. Whatever it is that we're doing, we link it to our overall centrality, our purpose, our mission. And so it's a regular thing. Now, most importantly, if an organization is growing and developing, you want to create what we call a shared vision where other people contribute. So, for example, if you have a cardiac care center, your goal might be we want to be the number one in our region. Okay, that's good. That's a nice aspirational goal. But you're not going to get there without the hearts and minds, pun intended, uh, uh, of your, of your uh, people on the staff, your cardiologists, your medical staff, your nurses, your uh, technicians, all of that. How can they contribute to that vision and what it is that you do? What is the specific? How do we further our mission? And what are the strategies we do toward that? So that's where everyone gets involved. And by communicating that regularly, and it can be as simple as, Give me your best ideas. I want you. But what really is, is what the leaders I talk to, in the book I talk to 15 different thought leaders or CEOs from both the profit and nonprofit sector. And, and I ask them very simple questions. How do you instill purpose? And you make people feel important. Easy, very easy to say, but you put your money where your mouth is. You compensate people uh, accordingly. You reward them. You spend time with them. You recognize them. You make it uh, known that whatever the organization achieves, it's because of the men and women of good intention in that organization, and they know it. You connect the dots for the good work they do to the good outcomes you achieve. That's how you begin to make your vision your mission and your values resonate. Mm. I get goosebumps. It sounds so exciting. <laughs> well, it's, it, I don't know that it is exciting. It's not, Marla. And, and, no. and thank you for saying that. And the reason is this is work. This is hard work um, because you have to stay on it every single day or on yes. a regular basis. Organizations get themselves into trouble when they say, well, here's our new grand vision, and they have a party, and, an all, and everybody gets excited, and that's good about it. But what happens 30 days out? What happens 60 days out? What happens six months out? That's where the, lead, the hard work of leadership comes in. You know, anybody can lead anything if the wind 
wind is at your back. When you were dealing with tough situations, it's not so much making a decision between the, 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 the right and wrong. I mean, I would hope we know how to do that. But it's making a decision between the hard rights, uh, something that the military uses, making those tough choices. Whom do I promote? Whom do I have to let go? What, how do I grow my business? I've got to cut here. I've got to do this there. Those are the tough decisions. So knowing your vision, knowing your mission, and believing in your values, that can help you make those tough decisions. You mentioned, you've mentioned values a couple of times, John, and it is just such a favorite topic for me. And I'm curious as a coach, how do you help individuals and organizations really understand and articulate and define their values? Well, on an individual coaching basis, I go through some exercises to help people discover what they are, and they know them. I'm not teaching Mm -hmm. them anything. I'm simply uncovering them. And I'm glad you mentioned it from an organizational standpoint, because many organizations do have values, and they proclaim them. And I know when I've been in organizations which have a strong value set and people know them, here's the good thing that happens. We hold one another accountable. So, for example, if we talk about when we value our people here, and you and I are in a meeting, and let's say, you know, someone raises an idea, and I just cut them down. I just blow through them and say, that's the stupidest idea. Where did you come up with that? Just really put them down. If I'm in a value-centric organization, Marla, you can pull me aside and say, you know, John, I saw what you did with Susan there. And he said, you're not living the values of our organization. And it gives people a shorthand um, Mm -hmm. for what it is for holding one another accountable. And I've seen it done, and it works. And, yes, you can say, well, that sounds like high school. Well, not really. It sounds like adult behavior. It's how you want to be treated. And by everybody pulling together on these kinds of simple uh, value statements, you know, the truth, integrity, love, all of those kinds of things, they're not rocket science, but the behaviors, they dictate how we uh, treat one another, how we treat our customers, how we treat our employees. It gives people language uh, for holding themselves and others accountable, and it really works. It definitely does. John, talk to us a little bit about some of the more creative and successful ways that you've seen companies show appreciation to their employees for a job well done and their creativity and contribution. Well, I'll tell you what they don't do. They don't reward their executives and cut the employee and, and cut uh, compensation for uh, uh, general managers <laughs> yeah. below. And yeah, you'll say, "Well, duh, yeah," but you know, well, that duh That's... is why people are so estranged from their organization right. because they feel they're not being compensated for. I mean, they're not sharing in the hard time. So let me give you an example. I work for an organ. I mean, excuse me, one of the. Um, uh, contributors to my book, or man I'd interviewed, is Paul Spiegelman of the uh, Barrel Companies, which is down in Texas. They're a call service for healthcare. And during the and uh, during the recession, when times were tight, they did not cut 401k uh, contributions. They kept those up. That's how you make people uh, feel that you're wanted. Okay, you put your money where your mouth is. I've seen it when empl- when CEOs or senior executives get actually involved in the running of the business at critical times. They are there. The things I always tell leaders in tough times is do three things: be seen, be heard, be there. Be seen. People want to see you. Be heard. Stay on message. Also, part of that is listen. Be there. Well, that's the great metaphor, okay? What does be there mean? Be accessible. Be available. 
be that shoulder that the organization can lean upon. Be that extra person to help when necessary. That's how leaders uh, demonstrate that they have a commitment to the organization and to people. They make it real. Another person that's very simple, I talked to Tom Drowdy, who's a retired Marine Corps general who worked for um, USAA. And he had this thing, he had this habit, very simple, walk the halls. And, and you know, he noticed on cubicles people would have pictures of their children. Or, and over time it suddenly dawned on him, you know, I'd see a picture of a boy in a Little League uniform, a girl in a soccer, or, you know, a, you know maybe a ballerina, maybe a horseback riding. So he'd have conversations with beyond, how, hi, how's it going? He'd go, how's that son in the baseball thing going? How's Little League? How's the horseback riding going? And, you know, you create this conversation, you create a rapport with people. And now some people don't want to say anything about it. Well, fine. That's okay. Respect those boundaries. But it just gets a little technique. You know, pick up something in their life that you know about and have a conversation with about it if they're comfortable having that conversation. That's how leaders show that people matter. Mm-hmm. Such an important insight. John, looking at the hiring process, is it? in the pre-hire or the post-hire communication that you're really extending your your vision and your purpose to the individual? Are you hiring people who are aligned with your vision or teaching them to align with your vision after they've come on board or some combination thereof? Well, that's a really powerful question. And it's all, it's yes to all of the above. Let me give you an example about an organization which is quite special, and it's featured in Inc. regularly. It's called Menlo Innovations. It's right here in my hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, they're a, an IT services company. They, you know, develop software. For program, uh, comp, uh, they write programs for people. And um, what, they don't really have – Rich Sheridan, who's the lead partner in it, says, we have the interview process with no questions. And how do you have an interview with no questions? Well, they bring people in, and they see how they work, and they qualify them in some means, but they see how they fit in with the organization. They do kind of work along. And if that person seems comfortable working with others and others like that individual, they like his, his or her technical expertise as well as ability to collaborate and cooperate, that's a person considered for hiring. Now, every company can't do that. Many companies have something called group interviews. And I really strongly advise this for any hiring anyone at a senior level, um, where once you're, you're down to one or two candidates of whom you'd like to bring in, bring them in and let them meet and mingle with employees. How are they interacting? Watch their behaviors. Are they paying attention to others or are they all about themselves? How do they treat admin staff? You know, well, There's a great example of one firm, I think it was a professional services firm, that used to regularly check out its candidates. And, and those who were courteous to the lead admin who greeted them were considered those who blew off that person and treated <gasps> that person great. as less than uh, respectable immediate dismissal. I mean, dismissal from further consideration. Right, You watch how you treat other people. So a group interview is fine, and you make it more conversationally based. Um, I I once worked with, or excuse me, I had a uh, a gentleman who had attended one of my keynotes, and he came up to me. He said, you know, I've developed, he he said, I hire a lot of people, and I've developed something, and he called it the humility index. And I said, well, tell me how that works. He said, I count 
and I think I don't remember the formula, how many times they use the word I in an interview. Now, this is really hard because when you're in an interview yes. situation, you have to talk about yourself. That's what it's all about. But he said, I like people who always, in a sense, deferred to the team that said, this is what we did. And then, so you kind of had to pry out of them, what did mm. you do? Now, I wouldn't call that a break, make or break type thing, but it's a nice thing. What kind okay. of, how do they, how do they radiate a mm. sense of otherness? Uh, yeah. Okay, John, we're going into break. I want to hear more about that when we return. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. With your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer. And my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out GirlfriendIt.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. The multi-ethnic church with Mark DeMoz. Thursday afternoons at 1, noon Central is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church? They call us Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. And welcome back. We're here today with leadership expert and author John Baldoni. John, going into break, you were talking about that wonderful humility index, deferring to the team rather than the use of the constant I. That's fabulous. Tell us more. Well, actually, it's an, I, I wrote an article on it, and, and anyone who's interested, just go to Harvard Business, uh, hbr.org, and do a search, Baldoni Humility Index, it'll pop up. So it's basically a way of, of uh, um, looking at 
job candidates from a different perspective, how they connect with others. And I would read also how they behave and interact with other people. Mm-hmm. It's far more important than any arbitrary scale. But what's the feelings you get? And I'll let other people weigh in. This is very, very important for senior level uh, people that you're bringing into an organization because they're the ones who are going to set the direction for the organization. So I think it's important to, to know that. So. It is important. So let's uh, add a little bit of a challenge to that and talk about the companies. There are so many now building virtual teams. I think it it might be a little bit more difficult to have this kind of communication and and, uh, the hiring process can be kind of tricky. Give us some tips for those folks. Well, it depends. If they're if they're full-time employees, whether they're mm-hmm. virtual or not, it's how you treat them. I would at least have a face-to-face and bring people together so they can meet and greet and, and connect with others. Um, yeah, it's harder, but you stay. I, I, I worked with an executive who did have a virtual team, but every Friday morning he had a 9.30 um, call with everybody on mm-hmm. the call, and they would actually – he even had a bell in his office, and it was kind of like the old sales <laughs> technique. They'd ring – and it wasn't a sales organization, but anybody who had an achievement, tell me about this and we'll ring the bell. So I know it's a little corny, but you know what? People like that kind of stuff. It's a sense of connectedness, and so you have to work at it. So what other ways can you stay connected? Well, obviously email, but that's kind of by the by. How about Skype? How about Skype video so we can see one another? I mean, we're not talking major dollars here. Get, I mean, you, you can do it from your own camera with a, you know, a, a, a little thing. Uh, find ways to interact. Find ways to connect. And also pe- understand people are working virtually also because maybe they like to work virtually. They like to be independent. So respect that. But also make them known that they're part of the team. So you connect with them in ways that uh, um, uh, uh, connect with them in ways that they want to be connected to. But also what are the expectations for the company? So how you, you know, what is the reporting system? What's my expectations for you calling me or you keeping in, me in the loop? Um, what's our expectation for daily, or excuse me, for um, phone contact? Is it once a week? Is it once a day? Once a month? Whatever. Uh, figure it out so there's a set, there's a cadence of, of regular communication mm-hmm. in the channels and the media that you pref- uh, set it up. I love the way you say that, a cadence of regular communication, and it's as a coach, you just almost can't express that enough, the importance of those weekly meetings and uh, supporting your employees and acknowledging them and and uh, pr- providing a safe environment for them to ask questions and take risk. That's fabulous. Yeah. You talk about that in, in your book, John. You talk about making it making your environment a safe place to fail. How do you do that but still protect your your customers at the same time? Well, that's a good question, uh, Marla, and it's really a nuts and bolts question. Um, I'm not talking about experimenting per se with customers on new and different things, but it's coming up with ideas and innovative concepts. And we sometimes, every company wants to say that it's innovative, but basically that's lip service. They don't want to be innovative. They just want the status quo to remain (laughs) the same and they can call innovative. So, but here's the deal. But that's a certain, uh, maintaining the status quo is really a recipe for non-growth or and soon you'll be in uh, a form of oblivion uh, but uh, but it, speaking seriously it, what it is it's it's how can we make things new and different in order to serve our customer our stakeholders uh, more effectively so 
you enable people to take a risk, to try something new, and you talk about it. So the reason why I say companies don't want to be innovative, because they're not willing to put skin in the game. You know, many organizations have the, the perver- they have one tool, it's called a hammer, and they know how to deal that with, use that hammer very well. So the employees pretty quickly learn that if you're out of line, you get whacked. And so then when a boss says, well, I want you to be creative, I want your best ideas, people will say, I'm not going to get hit over the head with a hammer. You know, so you have to set the mindset of, hey, let's have a conversation. How can we do things differently? I'm going to challenge you to come up with three ways of doing this differently. And employees can do this. I've done exercises with HR people and just say, come up with an idea for a new plan and employee retention. They can do it in a heartbeat. And but in a in a group situation, maybe with their own boss, it might be intimidated because they feel I cannot do that because people will think this of me or think that of me. So you got to remove the barriers, and part of that big barrier is take the fear away. Okay, but you set up the if you know this is where purpose sets in. So if you know what the parameters of the business are, then you innovate or you think around what it is you want to do. So for example. I used to tell this kind of a funny little story. Let's say you work for a, you're a vice president for a plumbing supply company, and you've got a great idea that I think we should, um, I really like fast food uh, chicken, and I think we should open a fast food chicken restaurant. Well, you know, that might be a really good restaurant, a really good idea, and you might have a great recipe for that, but I don't see a link between fast or chicken, uh, fried chicken and the plumbing (laughs) supply business. So that's not in line with what it is you do. But if you came up with an idea like maybe we could expand and become a plumbing services company ah that's a compliment to what it is we do so how are we going to do that so that's the kind of thinking you want to do uh, encourage people to take a risk and and, and encourage people to take a chance with it within the parameters of what it is the business or the enterprise allows us to do mm-hmm. And how do you reward your employees for stepping up to the plate and taking that risk and articulating their out-of-the-box thought process and ideas? Well, you put a little skin in the game. In in other words, there are some companies that uh, reward cash prizes. I mean, excuse me, not prizes. Cash rewards for ideas, which are implemented. And save the company or implemented and save the company money or what or do their intended purpose absolutely you give real compensation for them now if that's uh, but other things you don't have to uh, I, I believe strongly in that kind of thing because then that says uh, we re- we want your ideas and we're going to use them and we're going to reward you for them but that's when you think of a um, innovation in terms of product or service it's not always that easy I mean, very much innovation can be removing a step from a process, say a customer service person, how he or she could do her job with less control systems or less reporting. I don't mean winging it, but maybe there's a, 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 you can take a step of paperwork out of this stuff. And if somebody comes up with that idea, reward them for it, recognize them for it, let other people know about it. Give them some a bonus compensation on that. Now, it's not all about money. It's not all about greens and the jeans. What we really work for is if, if our basic compensation needs are met is we want that pat on the back. We want recognition. And I think you solidify recognition, certainly through forms of additional compensation, merit pay, call them what it is you want. But it's really that, say, hey, Marla, you're doing a good job. 
the team could not have done it without you. I want you to know that. So, and little tiny rewards, you know? I mean, it used to be, uh, it could be a dinner, you and your husband, or whatever it is, or uh, treat them, or, or, you know, win a trip, does not win a trip, but you're recognizing you get a trip to XYZ place, or whatever it is. But it's something that says you are special. And yeah, it's a cliche, but it, it isn't really when it's invested in you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Lots of food for thought there. John, tell us a story or give us an example of how you've stepped into a client and have really turned things around. What what was the result of, of that individual or, or company coaching with you and, that you can tell us about that's just kind of fun and interesting? Well, I'm going to take a step back. Uh, I'm not one of those coaches that says I did anything. Um, coaches don't play the game. Um, coaches provide what coaching is. It's a guided form of self-discovery. It's enabling the individual to discover truths about themselves. And my focus is leadership development, executive. I'm a performance coach. I'm helping people to get better. So it is what they do. And I get people will tell me, "Well, thank you. I got a." Um, I got a promotion because of work with you, and I've worked with people who've been promoted all the way to the top. Did I do that? No. They did the work. They did the time. Um, sometimes, you know, I may have helped someone save their job if they were on the way out. But, no, it's, it's the, the individual that I work with. Those men and women are making, putting in the hard work. They're doing the think time. They're putting into uh, action things that we've talked about um, and suggestions maybe that I've made or they've taken and implemented it. So, uh, I, uh, so uh, any success that people I work with, that comes from um, the individual, not from a coach. And any coach who tells you otherwise, mm-hmm. um, I would shy away from. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about asking those provocative questions to help them uh, bring the awarenesses that are already within to the surface. Yeah, yeah. So we are always developing the next generation of purposeful leaders, right? How? Oh, no, I don't think we are. <laughs> but I, th- I, I, well, we I agree. Be. That's what we should <laughs> That's be the doing. Problem. We're not. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, uh, as, or in your case, uh, in, in my case too, Marla, our kids are developing us. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, no, but I'm did. just, I'm just playing with you a little bit. Yeah, we should be doing that. Absolutely, Marla. Yeah, absolutely. So when we come back from this final break, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that and and what employers can do to really, you know, develop those next leaders and uh, is coaching and mentoring for the employees an important part of that prospect. So we're going to go into break in just a few seconds. So I'd like to remind you all that uh, you can see John's interview on Inc. Today and that website is Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka. So you can also go to ink.com and just uh, search on my name, Marla Tabaka, and you'll find that fabulous interview with John. Don't forget to check out his website at John Baldoni, B-A-L-D-O-N-I.com and pick up a copy of this wonderful book, Lead with Purpose, giving your organization a reason to believe in itself.
Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And make sure and head on over to Inc. for today's interview with our guest, John Baldoni. And uh, we are here talking about now developing the next generation of leaders. John, in your book, you say that it's important for leaders to take greater ownership over the development of their employees in an organization. Let's talk about that smaller organization where there is basically one person at the top yet uh, and, and coaching and mentoring. That's such an important part of this process. I believe it is anyway. How how do we do that? How we how do we time manage that? That's a very good point, and um, I believe that management um, and you can throw leadership into that quotient is really a job of uh, uh, includes coaching. And what do I mean by coaching? It means an investment in time and others. It means. Um, uh, it, Enabling people, it means communicating clearly, setting clear expectations, evaluating their performance. And I don't mean at the end of the year in a performance appraisal, but giving them um, guidance along the way, how they're doing. Also challenging them, 
saying, you know, uh, you did this, but I think you can do better. You're really, uh, especially, this is very important with young people or younger employees, you know, challenge them to raise the bar a little bit so they can be challenged. And we all like to be challenged on things. So that's part of the coaching process. Um, for small organizations, enable them to take a course. Um, uh, there's lots of providers, maybe a community college, executive education program, um, uh, that, those kinds of things. But just make it a priority that professional development is create an expectation for it. Make it known so this is how we're going to grow our business, and we want you to participate in this. It's an investment in you. Kind of and one of the things I notice in organizations of high-performing teams or high-performing individuals or defunctions and all of this is there's a cadre of, um, there's, a, there's a sense of elitism about leadership and leadership development. And elitism, not in the sense of exclusion. Uh, in other words, I went to the right school, I didn't go to that school. No, it's someone who is being groomed or is being challenged and developed to take on more leadership ability. So that's where the elitism comes from. It's open to all of us and those of us who choose to accept that um, responsibility that makes us um, uh, more elite contributors to the enterprise. So that's kind of, you create a little bit of buzz around it. But basically it comes down to an individual willing to invest time in someone else to help them uh, become more effective. Mm -hmm. And so let me throw a little bit of a twist in that. I work with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are still using contractors to fulfill uh, some of the work, much of the work, but not quite on a full-time basis, but a number of hours. And those contractors, although they're not employees, are lead contributors to the company. Is, is, is there a difference in how we mentor, coach, and encourage our 1099 employees or contractors? That's a really good question, and it really gets back to your virtual employees in a sense, that, and mm -hmm. what the contract employee is really the reality of today. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, um, it's what you can provide. I mean, it depends on what the relationship, if they're individual contributors, i.e. they work simply for you, or if they work through another company, that's a little bit different. But no, you want what you, most importantly, you want to make them known that what it is they're doing is enabling you as the owner of your company to succeed. And without them, there wouldn't be any success. So I'd visit them, and we're, or, I mean, if they uh, make make don't make a big uh, um, separation between who's contract and who's not. Try to treat everyone as quote equally and certainly fairly, um, and that's the uh, the challenge. And so take away the artificiality of separateness in a sense. In other words, view them as the word I like to use is contributors because that's what they are and let them know how important they are to what it is you do. I like that. And so would you say then it is a wise investment for a small company and somewhat limited funds to financially invest in contractors or contributors, as you say, in terms of training um, beyond what they need for the job, but <clears throat> development, let's say development? Well, that you know, that's a good question, Marla. I don't know that I can answer that. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, if you know resources are scarce, I, I'm going to develop. 
I'm going to devote my developmental resources to my own employees. Um, if I have extra funds, maybe I could invite um, my contract employees in to participate or make it available to them. If I'm working through a contracting company, maybe I team with them and we do it for all of our people, sure. But that's a tough call, Marlon. I, I, I don't know that I'm in a position to advise anyone mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, yeah. So, John, in your book, you you say that it's important to make it known that employees need to have a work plan, a roadmap for developing their competencies. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Well, the work plan, I got this from a client I had worked with. And the work plan is what it is you do for your work to be become better at, at it. Very often, it's a system of certifications, or and that might be somewhere where it makes sense for an employer to invest in the certification acquisition for contract employees. That's a suggestion. I don't know if it makes sense. But the work plan is basically what are the skills you need to do your job and to do it better and to improve yourself. And a work plan is really it's very focused, it's very tactical, it's very practical. Spread out over time, it becomes strategic because it enables you to maybe reach for that next level. What is it that I need? And, and companies call use the term roadmap. And they devise competency roadmaps. The skills I will need if I'm in sales now, what does it require to be in sales management? Or if I'm in um, purchasing now, what does it uh, require to me to be managing a purchasing department? So I know what that roadmap is. My work plan would be so aligned. So I need to be certified in certain things. Maybe I need to take a course in this. I need to have a job rotation thing. So the more specific it is, and many companies do this very well, it gives people clarity. So if I want to be a manager, I got to do X, Y, Z, okay? Work plan is very uh, important, and it's the specific. There's also something like the professional development. That's the external, uh, not the external, that's your developing your leadership self. What is it you need to do to be a a leader in our organization or even a manager? Part of that competency roadmap will also defer to the professional development. If we, if you want to be, become the, the top in, say, our, you know, uh, a certain function, you have to have the technical certification, certainly, but you've got to go through a management or a leadership training program. So that's the professional development. But I think the, the essence of what I'm trying to say is make it specific. What is it? What are the requirements? What is it that you need to do? So that gives people a sense of clarity so they can achieve these things. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. John, how important do you think a job description per se is for employees? And should the employee have an active role in developing that? Oh, very definitely. And I think an employee should have ownership of creating it. So a lot Mm -hmm. of companies, they'll say, you know, write your own job description. Or, I mean, you can't do that for you know, if you're inheriting a job or whatever, but you can do it. You can write your job objectives, for example. You can write out what is it you'd like to achieve this year. Then you have a conversation with the boss about it. So, and he or she could scale it up, scale it down. And very often, sometimes it's scaling it down because you may say, well, I'd like to do all of these things. And you'll say, you know, I can't, we can't quite do that. Or you're being a little overly ambitious in these kinds of things. And gosh, how wonderful is it to have overly ambitious employees than yeah. under ambitious employees? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, no, have a con. It, 
live a, at least have a conversation about it. So yeah. it, it's maybe less the job description, but more the job with the objectives for the year. That's what okay. I like to see employees have uh, input into. Yeah, because it's important that we place employees in in roles that are really going to honor and utilize their strengths. And oftentimes we see employees misplaced, and that process can can really help alleviate that problem. Yeah. Oh, without question, and a wonderful resource on this. And it's the first book that Gallup did in the series that it's done, and it's first break all the rules. And it's based on at that time eighty thousand interviews with managers, and they've done many, many more since then. But it's where there's a disconnect. It comes down to talent versus skill. Talent is what you have a proclivity to do. Skill is what you can acquire. And right. you know, so often we put people in positions where we we take an engineer and we put him in a sales position, and and this engineer is really happy solving problems and working mm-hmm. alone. And we put him in sales. Now, if he asked to be in sales, let's not forget Lee Iacocca was once an engineer, but he became a great salesperson. Well, <laughs> Well, that's a choice he made, okay? But some, or put a salesperson in a comptroller's job where he's going to be pretty much focused on spreadsheets and not going to be talking to people a lot, or, I mean, it's not a gregarious type of job, is going to kill him. So you have to find out what is it you like to do. It always has to be a match between talent and skills and what the job is, absolutely. Yeah. So, John, we have about two minutes left in the show, and this has been just very enlightening and a lot of fun talking to you, as as I expected. And uh, I'm wondering what you, what words of wisdom would you leave our entrepreneurs and moms and dads and anyone out there listening with? Well, consider purpose, the, the why and the how and the impetus for action. And in other words, what is it that you want to achieve? How are you going to achieve it? Why are you going to achieve it? And what are you going to do to make it happen? That's very basic questions, but they provoke deep thought. And if we take the time to reflect on where we are now, where we want to go, purpose can be that enabler, can open the door for us. And so I appreciate this opportunity to share my thoughts with you, and thank you. Oh, thank you, John. And and just uh, share with our audience, if you will, where they can find you. Well, my website is my name, johnbaldoni.com. I also have a website for the book, which is leadwithpurpose.biz, B-I-Z. And the book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and many other online uh, sources, as well as in your local bookstore. So I uh, invite uh, anyone who's interested to pick up a copy. And well worth it it is, John. Thank you so much for being with us, John Baldoni. And uh, I hope that we remain connected and chat again soon. Thank you, Marla. I'm looking forward to that. Me too, John. And we have been here with John Baldoni. And uh, what a delightful individual. And do pick up the book. It's a fabulous read, Lead with Purpose, Giving Your Organization a Reason to Believe in Itself. And I hope to see you all here next week once again. Have a fabulous week. This is Marla Tabaka sending gratitude to all of you. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka on Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and if you've always